not I, but through Christ in me. Amen. Let's be thankful for great music this morning. Amen. Thank you for all of you that have played and sung and worshiped with us and led us in worship. We are very grateful. I am very thankful. I want to, if you'll indulge me a moment, I want to take a personal moment because today is Father's Day. And I am very thankful to be a father, a grandfather, and a great-grandfather. So I get three blessings today. Amen. I, we have two beautiful daughters. They have blessed us for over 50 years. And they blessed us with eight children from our oldest daughter. Yeah, that's crowd. And unfortunately, our younger daughter was not able to have children. And so we have a very unusual thing, but it was and is a blessing in many, many ways, though very difficult for our younger daughter in her earlier years. But I am thrilled to say that our two daughters, those sisters, love each other very much. And with one of them being pregnant for 20 years, <laughs> and the other one not able to, and 10 years, 5 years, all the medical treatments, 5 years international adoption sought, nothing, 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 nothing. And then, thank the Lord... They got connected with the foster care system in Pennsylvania, the state in which they lived. And six months later, they became instant parents of three sisters. Amen. Six, five, and four. Dixie, Savannah, and Sierra. Just like that. And those girls, that was 13 years ago. And now they're 19, 17, and 16, and they are a blessing to us. And so we have a crowd. Now my two older grandsons, by my older daughter, got married to two beautiful ladies, one at a time. Uh, yeah, that was a little slow back there on the back corner there. I appreciate y'all chuckling at that. But... And the, the fact is, now you'll get this, I need to back up a little bit. My two daughters, Christy and Sherry, are both married to David. Two different Davids. <laughs> but my, my two oldest grandsons are married now, and they have given us four great-grandchildren and one more on the way. So just such a blessing, and let me say, and excuse me, ladies, but to all you men, you fathers, you dads, I pray that you celebrate the role that you play in, in your children's or your grown sons and daughters' lives, because it's just one of the privileges of life, and God gives us so many good privileges. And so I'm very thankful to say to all of you men who are fathers, happy Father's Day. And I have been wished that several times here in our church fellowship today. So thank you so much. Now, 
I want to remind you that I've been with you folks for six weeks. We've been in a series that I started six weeks ago, and it has been based on the fact that this church and the church has been established on the rock of Jesus Christ, that that is the foundation, that it is his church, and that we are his disciples. And so after now being with you for six weeks, we have two more sessions in this series today and next week. And today we're going to talk about being disciples. Next week we're going to talk about making disciples. Now I want to say to you that God is very firm in his commandments to us. You realize, please, that in many ways when we sign on as being Christian men and women and young people and all that Christ has asked us to be, we don't have an option. Now, I say that with great thankfulness because, folks, that's settled. Now, I pray that it's settled in your mind and in your spirit but when Jesus commands us, like he does so many times in Scripture, it is just settled. It is a definite. And I am bringing before you today the fact that 2,000 years ago, just before he left this planet and made his ascension into the heavens, that he said some very powerful things that stand as commandments today to you and me. He looked at his disciples and he said, all authority has been given me in heaven and earth, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have told you. And I am going to be with you till the end of the age. This great commission, that is, that's our marching orders. He didn't say, maybe you ought to go. <laughs> he didn't say, would you please think about it? He said, no, therefore, go. Based on the fact that I am your Lord, your master, and your teacher. Also, he followed that up by saying, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my disciples, my witnesses, my servants in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of this earth. Now again, he didn't say, will you go? Will you be my disciples? Will you be my witnesses? What did he say? You will go. Sounds pretty definite, wouldn't you say? Years ago, I was in the Army. It seems like about 100 years ago. But I was a kid of 17 years old. We went to basic training. And our drill instructors didn't say, Don, will you do this or Don, will you do that? <laughs> no, they said, you will do these push-ups. You will walk five miles. Well, they're not near the person that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. 
He is saying, you will be my witnesses. You will be my disciples. So, folks, it's not an option. I've said to you many times, and I will say it again, and I may say it more if I get a chance to speak to you, that the Christian faith is not a spectator sport. <laughs> so please be about being his disciples. Now, what does it take? What do you and I be, need to be involved in in order to be disciples? Well, now, we have talked about the foundations here the last six weeks. The foundations that the church is built on. But what is the church? The church is you. The church is the disciples of Jesus Christ. Serving and being and all of that. So what it occurs to me is that the things that we've talked about for the last six weeks. Are the things that it takes for you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. A follower. A servant of Jesus Christ. Now, let me remind you can, you. can you remember the five things that we've talked about that are the foundation of the Christian faith, the foundation of the church? Just think for a second. Five things that I've talked about. Now, I hope I can remember them. But they are prayer, worship, fellowship, ministry, servanthood, and last week I had the privilege out here on the lawn, a wonderful day of talking about the love that we need to have as Christian people. Now, I hope, I pray, that you and I are immersed in those principles and those facts of our Christian life because therein will we move in our growth as disciples. Now let me Expand those just a little bit. Prayer. Certainly, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to pray. I need to pray. He prayed. Now, prayer is a very essential thing. Because when you pray, you have a relationship with the Lord. When you pray, you're talking to Him, and He will talk to you. Now, I will tell you, I've never, ever heard an audible voice from the Lord. However, and this is his design through the Holy Spirit for me, maybe you've heard audible voices. But for me, I have deep impressions in my spirit when I'm praying, when the Lord is wanting to say something, <clears throat> when he tells me to go or to do this or to do that. And I can't totally explain it, but my impressions are more real than even if I'd heard an audible voice. And so I know when we pray that the Lord speaks to us. When we worship, have you ever heard the phrase that the Lord inhabits the worship of his people? Well, okay, if you and I, are, and as we have there this morning through wonderful music and now this the word of God and whatever I can say to glorify him. We are worshiping. We are honoring our heavenly father. As the source of our being. As the source of our discipleship. And when we worship. To inhabit means to live in. He is right here with us. 
being honored in our worship, and he then honors us, blesses us, grows us into the disciples that we're supposed to be. Fellowship, that very important thing. Now, the fellowship indicates that you, as men and women, as brothers and sisters in the fellowship, the family of Kings Grant Baptist Church, that you're to relate in a family kind of operation. And then in the fellowship, you bless and encourage or maybe even reprimand or admonish your brothers and sisters in love, in the peaceful love of a family of brothers and sisters. The fellowship then becomes a vehicle that the Lord will use for you to become disciples. And then we have a sense of service, of ministry. Again, we're not spectators. Let me tell you, please, that if you're just sitting here this morning, and that's all you're doing, is sitting here this morning, then I'm very concerned about that. Because we're not supposed to just sit, folks. We're supposed to go. We're supposed to do. We're supposed to serve. We're supposed to minister. We're supposed to reach out. We're supposed to do all sorts of things. Are you aware that every person in here that believes in Jesus Christ has a gift given them by the Holy Spirit? Scripture says that. Now, we have different gifts. Your gift and my gifts may be different. You may not want to come up here and speak to this fine group of people. I'm very thankful that that's part of my gift. I'm also thankful that I am gifted with wisdom and leadership, and I can be a counselor and the other things that God has allowed me to do. But you have a gift. And maybe you don't know what it is, but you can find out, and he will show you. And then your gift needs to be in operation, in participation. You need to be doing something with your gift. If you're just sitting here, then please, I must, I am challenging you to listen very carefully to my words. Because that's not the full extent of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. You're supposed to be serving. I'm very thankful for Sunday school teachers. I'm very thankful for these fine musicians. I'm very thankful for the kids week coming up and all of the people that will be involved with the children and with Vacation Bible School because we're supposed to be serving. And then love, loving God, loving ourselves in an appropriate way as I've spoken to you about and loving each other, loving our neighbors, loving our brothers and sisters right here. Loving the neighbors outside of King's Grand Baptist Church. Now, all of that, those are the five things that we've been talking about. All of that mixes together to bring us into discipleship. We must be disciples in order to make disciples. Wouldn't it be a shame if we went out and tried to make disciples when we were not a disciple? That's called hypocrisy, not a good word. However, we are challenged because sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail. 
But I am saying to you, because the Lord is saying to you, Scripture says to us that we must be disciples. Now, there are passages of Scripture that I want to share with you for just a moment. These Scriptures have been read this morning, and they're very important. Jesus said in the book of Luke that if anyone is going to come after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. Anyone who wants to save his own life, listen carefully. I'm going to change the words a little bit. Anyone wants to, who wants to run his own life, handle his own life, make his own life, is going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Now, do you hear that? That's not Don Solomon talking. That's Jesus Christ talking. That's the word. And so he's saying right there that we have to follow him daily and take up our cross, whatever that means to you and me, to do whatever he's asked us to do, to even go through persecutions or sufferings, to handle our life according to his way, to lose our life, let me put two or three other words in there. To sacrifice our life. To surrender our life. To submit our life. Three what I call S words. That none of us like. In our humanness. Because we don't want to surrender, sacrifice and submit. Our selfishness wants us to do it our own way. Well, Jesus said if we do it our own way, we're going to lose it. If we lose it for his sake, then we're going to find it. Now, I'm going to read a passage to you that is very important for the discipleship. <laughs> this is from the 15th chapter of John. And very, very powerful statement. Again, who is saying this? This is Jesus Christ. And he's saying it to his disciples the night before he's crucified. But he's also saying it to you and me here at King's Grant here 2,000 years later. But Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And nothing is nothing. So apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I want to talk to you for a moment about bearing fruit. That is something that we use, that phrase, we use it. Sometimes we know what it means, sometimes we don't. And I'm going to walk into a little bit of a difficult area here. Because I'm going to talk about myself. 
Now, the reason it's difficult, I love talking about myself. I'll tell you stories all day long, and I'll talk about my kids all day long. And, but for me to talk about myself in this context, I would never, ever want the spotlight to be on Don Solomon. Because what I'm about to say, I want the spotlight to be on Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in making me a disciple over the years. And so if you'll bear with me, just a little bit of what I would call a testimony from me. When I was younger, I went to seminary and got my master's degree. And soon after, I served two very large active churches. One in Dallas, Texas, Sunday school, we ran about 2,000 people. And then Thaylin Baptist Church right here in Virginia Beach. And back then, this was in the early 70s, we ran at Thaylin about 800 in Sunday schools. Very powerful, ministering, successful churches. And I was privileged to be there. And I worked really hard. I was in my late 20s and early 30s. I, I served. I worked hard. I did everything that people asked me to do. But listen to me, I did it in my own power. I did not remain in him. I did not seek the Lord. And even though I did a good job and people thought I did a good job, I have to confess to you that I consider myself not even a minister during those days because I was in my own insecurity, my own struggles, my own selfishness, and I thought I just had to prove myself. And so I was operating in my own power. That is not the way to be a disciple and to bear much fruit. In 1973, I left Thaylin Baptist Church with absolute commitment to the Lord that I was to go back to seminary and get a Ph.D. in counseling and psychology. For that, I'm very thankful because it has allowed me the opportunity to serve and to do a lot of things in the last 40 years. However, for four years, while I was at Southwestern becoming Dr. Solomon, I didn't teach a Sunday school lesson. I didn't preach a sermon. I didn't exercise my gifts. I was all involved in the educational process, which is not a bad thing. However, it wasn't a great thing for me because I was still prideful. I was still operating in my own way of doing things. I was not operating according. Now, I had wonderful opportunities. I was a professor of psychology at the seminary and also at a college. Um, I was a narcotic specialist with the city of Fort Worth, Texas. I traveled all over Texas doing seminars and conferences. And so there were a lot of good opportunities, but I was not doing exactly what the Lord wanted me to do. We moved back here in 1977, and pretty soon after coming back to Virginia Beach, I came to King's Grand Baptist Church. And now we're going to talk about a change, a God change in Don Solomon. And I thank the Lord for that because coming back here and 
planning myself, my wife and my family and I in Kings Grand Baptist Church, that was a blessing to me and to us. And soon after being here, they asked Mickey, my wife, and I to teach a Sunday school class. And we started with six people in a room. Mickey, me, and four others. I'm not going to use figures because I don't know. But pretty soon after we had started, within six months, the room was absolutely packed with people. And some of the people are sitting in the room right now. And some of the people, I'm sorry to say, have fallen by the wayside. Some have died. Yes, some have moved. But suddenly in my life, bearing fruit became real because the Lord was doing something in me where pride was going away and dependency on the Holy Spirit and on the movement of God in my life was taking place. And this Sunday school class right here was a blessing. We spent four or five years right here with wonderful people, wonderful ministry, wonderful uh, fellowship, and I'm so thankful for that. Soon after that, the Lord took me to the beachfront right here in Virginia Beach. And from 1982 until 1993, we had a mission ministry organization on Arctic Avenue in Virginia Beach. We had young adults that worked on our staff. We had people that came. They ministered through music and drama and puppets. And we did day camps. We did all sorts of things because fruit was being born because of the Lord work, working through all of us as disciples. Now, I have to tell you this. The number of young adults that worked with us. A few years later, my younger daughter in Pennsylvania was applying for a teaching position at a school. And they did a background check on her. And they had her, she had to list everybody that she had lived with in the past 15 years. We sat down around a table, all of us as a family, and we came up with 150 names. These were people that lived with us and worked with us. These were young adults that lived with us at Partners Lodge. And it was a blessing to know that ministry had happened because, not because of me, but because of the Lord's working in and through me and us and so many good people. And the story goes on, and I have had what I call God assignments time and time and time again. One more. In 2010, after many starting a church, having a house church, but in 2010, I had a counseling office in Suffolk, Virginia. First Baptist Church, Suffolk. Very fine, established church. Good people. 
but they came to me after much turmoil in their church fellowship. And they asked me if I would be the transitional interim pastor and help them deal with the, the chaos that was going on in their church. They invited me to come for an interview with their pastor search committee. They warned me genuinely, not in any joke, but seriously, that I needed to be careful because I could be assaulted when I came into the hallway of their church building. That's how difficult the fellowship had fallen apart. I tell, and I hate to say this, but they were in what I would call World War III. They wouldn't even speak to each other. Now, they even had two people that were kind of on guard about this possible assault. There had been a real live threat about anybody that came in there to try to help get the church straightened out. But they asked me. I accepted. The Lord opened that door. And I was with them for 16 months. I closed my counseling office. I worked 50 hours a week for them. I had 24 people that were a part of a transition team. And I met with them once, sometimes twice a week. We visited. We talked with people. We met with people. We communicated. We loved. We smiled. We laughed. We cried. We did all sorts of things for those 16 months. And fruit was born. Fruit happened in that place. Not because of me, but because of people deciding that they were going to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And that they were going to give up some of the animosity and the difficulties that they had lived in for several months. And there was recovery and healing that took place. The fruit that the Holy Spirit had brought about in that place. It was a joy to see the transformation. Because of the Lord and because of his working through his disciples. All of us. They call their next permanent pastor. And as we speak right now, he is now celebrating his 10th year at First Baptist Church. Good people, good people. Fruit is a necessity. And Jesus says that if we remain in him, that we will bear fruit. As I move toward conclusion, I want to share one other very important passage of Scripture with you. Because it applies to all of us. It applies to you, me. It applies to First Baptist Church Suffolk. They learned how to do that. It applies to King's Grant Baptist Church. Because Jesus said the night before he was crucified, right after he had washed the feet of his disciples, he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
There it is again. It's a definite. It's not a maybe. And he even says, as I have loved you. What did he do the next day? He went to the cross. He gave his life because he loves you. And he loves you and he loves me. And he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I know that there have been some differences at King's Grand Baptist Church. You know. Differences are inevitable. They are part of being a family. But a family loves one another. And what that means is you take your differences, you take your diversity, you take your age, you take your preferences, you take wherever you are in life, and then you accept and you cooperate. You accept each other in a loving relationship and you cooperate. And then, not only are you going to be my disciples, Jesus said, all people will know that you're my disciples. That is the, the task. Because this world is a cruddy place. And there are a lot of hurting people. And they need to know that you and I have the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. And the answer is his disciples. You and me. Following him more than that. More than that. Yes, we're supposed to follow him. But we're supposed to imitate him. We're supposed to have his spirit. We're supposed to have his mind. And we're supposed to be his people. Now, as we move toward conclusion, I want you to just bow your heads and think about that. I don't want you to listen to my voice right now. I want you to listen to the voice of Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that is calling you and empowering you and commanding you to be his disciples. Please just think about that for about a minute. Jesus, we come before you with deep gratitude in our hearts for the sacrifice that you have made because you love us. And we honor you as our master, our Lord, our teacher, our guide, our savior, the rock on which we found our faith and our church you are the provider of the love that helps all of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you 
and help us to thank you with our commitment, with our sacrifice, with our submission, with our surrender to your ways. We thank you that you've even invited us and commanded us to surrender, to make it your way and your life in and through us. We thank you that we have the privilege of being a part of your family. We thank you that you have, that you have chosen us, men and women, young people and families and leadership and deacons and everything that's a part of this church. You have invited us to be your servants. We confess and it is true that we are selfish. We fail. We miss the mark. But we know that you are a Lord of grace, of forgiveness, and of helping us to move on and to be your people, your disciples. Lord, we commit ourselves to that this day. And we are glad that we can. Thank you. And we pray in your wonderful name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in peace and be blessed by him and be his disciples. <laughs>